distribute it, especially if it's a free event.
and welcome to the weekly review. Today it's Friday, August second, two thousand nineteen. It's been a pretty disastrous week in a lot of ways, and I'll get into some more of that later. Uh, thanks for tuning into the show. We are broadcasting live from Mutiny Radio. We're in San Francisco. We're on a lonely land, and one way folks can give back to the land, especially if you're in the East Bay, is to pay the Shumi land tax. So if you type in S H U U M I land tax, you can be brought to the Sagorate Land Trust page. And I'll talk to you a little bit about the history of the land, especially in the East Bay that we're on. Oh, fuck. So there's a lot to get to this week. Um, there's some stuff that happened at the station I wasn't here for. I've heard a little bit about it. <sighs> I have some feelings about it and also want to talk to some folks about it. And perhaps that sounds vague. And also, <sighs> I guess I'll go into a little bit of a... So folks were... Uh, and I believe this is related in a way. Folks were um, occupying space outside ICE headquarters once again uh, here in San Francisco at 630 Sansom Street. Folks were camping out. And on the second night, like I think 12 or 1 in the morning, the cops raided again, as they did last year, and arrested people. Uh, one person was assaulted. Um, so cops are pretty much going hand in hand with ICE. If you are, for folks who have been following this, one, and in history, what changes things isn't so much voting, it's folks taking direct action, it's riots, it's protests, it's strikes, it's folks putting their bodies on the line to to change what's happening. And so last year, folks were able to close down ICE headquarters in San Francisco for about a week by doing, by occupying the space outside the headquarters. And so folks were also camped out again and I salute these folks and send lots of love and solidarity to the, the folks who are doing this. And I was there the, the first day, and uh, a lot of folks were there. They also offered free childcare. There was free food. There was music. There was people were talking on the ground. There was a lot of, it's a lot of folks were together. There was community. There was organizing. Folks were coming together. So I also want folks who, were, who weren't there or haven't been there just to have a kind of image of what's of what takes place when folks occupy spaces like this. And at some point I did see there was a, a person who came up and was having a really difficult time and started, I guess it was maybe kind of an argument with, with someone who was holding a banner. And, you know, some folks came up. There was even was a cop who was there who were like, they were monitoring us and the cop came up. And this person was very agitated and someone started having dialogue with this person and lots of us were watching and I watched for a little bit and then I went, um, I realized I hadn't eaten in a while. So I went to get some food and I came back and when I came back, this person had calmed down and someone had brought this person some water and brought this person some food. And it was a way of deescalating the situation. And I think about that and how that's not something that's done a lot. It's sometimes like the opposite thing where people go immediately to criminalization or escalation. And, what would the world be like if instead we went to like understanding folks? So I wanted to share that. Um, there are going to be, uh, there's the month of momentum, which has started yesterday, which is 30 days of action to close the camps um, happening in San Francisco. I believe this is also happening. There's actions happening around the country. So if you're listening in another uh, place, please check out and see what's happening near you. If there's something that's not happening near you, start something. I know easier said than done. It's a lot easier said than done. Um, and also, this is what happens. One person says, I'm going to do something. And someone else says, I'll help. And people come together and make, make this happen. 
So close the camps now. I'm going to read from a flyer. There's lots of flyers here at the station. If you're interested in more information, there's also a Facebook invite. Uh, if you type in Month of Momentum, you should find it. Uh, immigrant children are dying in federal custody. Children in detention are denied clean water, showers, soap, blankets, decent food, and are not allowed to even hug their siblings. And the Trump administration says that's not a problem. Trump has threatened mass immigration raids across the country, and our neighbors are afraid to go shopping, attend church, or take their kids to school. He's also trying to eliminate asylum and prevent asylum seekers from even reaching the border, which is illegal under international law. We say immigrants and refugees are welcome in the Bay Area. We say immigration and seeking asylum are not crimes. We say ICE, which is the Immigration and Customs Enforcement, is not welcome in our city. No raids in the Bay Area. If you see ICE activity, call the SF hotline, which is 415-215-48. In Alameda, it's 510-241-4011. And in Contra Costa County, it's 925-900-5151. There will be protests every day in August from noon to 1 p.m. at 630 Sansom Street in San Francisco. You can join us. You can look for us on, there's a Facebook invite, which is tinyurl.com forward slash month of momentum. On the back, uh, there's some much more information, which I'm going to read. Uh, together, we can hashtag close the camps. Protest. These 30 days of action were initiated by a group of six women. We need every type of action from neighborhood vigils to blocking buses, bringing people into camps, to leaving water in the desert to save lives of migrants. Get with your friends and figure out what you can do. Visit closethecamps.us and nomorecamps.org to find or register an action. Coalition to Close the Concentration Camps is holding weekly actions at Palantir Corporation in Palo Alto to get this tech company to stop contracting with ICE. You can donate to bail funds. Helping pay immigrants bail is one of the fastest ways to help those who have been separated from their children. Freedom for Immigrants, freedomforimmigrants.org, has a local revolving bond fund. You can host an asylum seeker or a refugee in your home. Contact Freedom for Immigrants, which is at freedomforimmigrants.org, to find out how. You can hold local officials accountable. Many Bay Area cities, including San Francisco, Oakland, and Berkeley, are sanctuary cities, but sheriffs continue to work with and turn people over to ICE. Until recently, ICE was using charter flights out of Oakland to detain and deport immigrants. Demand our local governments enforce the sanctuary laws we have passed. Support organizations that work directly with immigrants, uh, such as RACES, which is R-A-I-C-E-S, Freedom for Immigrants, California Immigrant Youth Justice Alliance, Oakland Catholic Worker, Catholic Charities, La Clinica de la Raza, Dolores Street Services, and CARACEN, which is C-A-R-E-C-E-N. Uh, there are a few, those are a few of the national and local organizations providing needed services. You can also join a rapid response network to protect your neighbors in case of raids or detentions. San Francisco Immigrant Legal and Education Network, which is at sfilen.org, and Alameda County Immigrant Legal and Education Partnership, which is central, uh, excuse me, centrallegal.org forward slash A-C-I-L-E-P forward slash provide information. Know your rights tools and other and information on how to get trained and get involved. You can also donate air miles. Lawyer Moms of America is one group that contributes airline miles and funds to people in border shelters. This enables those who have achieved asylum to leave and make space for new arrivals. I uh, can also explore how we got here. To learn more about the history of the U.S. government, intervention in Central American countries, 
and how climate change and neoliberal economic policies lead to migration and displacement, North American Congress on Latin America, NACLA.org, is a great place to start. History.com offers a good history of how border crossing became a crime in the U.S., a relatively recent phenomenon. You can also call on Congress to stop unfair and unjust incarceration of immigrants, demand that Nancy Pelosi do her job as leader of the House Democrats and withhold all funding for camps, walls, and checkpoints. Even progressive congresspeople need to hear from constituents demanding they close the camps. So the number for Nancy Pelosi is 202-225-4965. Diane Feinstein is 202-224-3841. Kamala Harris is 202-224-3553. And finally, you can join the campaign to defund hate and to fund communities, not cages, at detentionwatchnetwork.org forward slash defund hate. So hopefully there's a lot of, there's like a lot of, not hopefully, but there is a lot of information there. And um, something, one of those things, if not more, will will suit you. We do have a phone call, so I'm going to hop right into that. Hello, Mutiny Radio. Hello? Hi. Oh, hi. <laughs> I was trying to call Mutiny Radio. Is that you? Yes, this is Mutiny Radio. This is Roman. Okay, I was just wondering, oh, yeah, okay, that's what I wanted to know. Um, when is the open mic? Uh, I believe it's tonight. If you check out on the website, they will... Uh, I, I saw it was like at 6, but then I saw another thing that said it started at 3, so that's why I was checking. Oh, yeah, well, oh, maybe you're thinking of Common Thread Collective, which used to be on Fridays, but it's going to be on Saturdays, um, the 2nd and the 4th Saturday now, so the next Common Thread Collective... No, I'm will... not thinking about comics, no. <laughs> no, Common Thread I'm, Collective. I'm, just, I'm a poet, and, yes. I, and I've been told to go to Mutiny Radio forever, and I've just thought, okay, I'll look it up, and oh, yes. I looked it up. Yes, so, so it's going to be the... When is it today? Um, no, it's going to be on a Saturday, which is August 17th, if you want to come for that okay, day. So or the, I'm, so I'm glad I didn't go over there today. Yeah, <laughs> okay. it used to be on Fridays, and then we're going to move it. There's going to be a poetry night now, um, Saturday nights from 8 to 10 p.m. 8 to 10 Saturday nights. Yeah. Ooh. Hmm. Okay, and that's every Saturday? Uh, yeah, but we haven't started yet. It's going to start the third week of August. The third week of August, the third Saturday of August, eight to ten Saturday, and before that, nothing. Um, you don't have any Fridays or. No, the, it used to be. It was on Fridays for a while, and they decided to shift the timing of it. Unfortunately. Okay. Yeah. And who hosts that? Um, that was Diamond Dave and Global Val who are hosting it, and um, now Ek Keith will be stepping in to be one of the hosts as well. So I think we might have rotating. Okay, hosts. so in August that'll be maybe different. Mm-hmm. Okay, the third Saturday in August, eight to ten in the evening. Okay, mm-hmm. I hope I can. Do I need to sign up for it or just come? I think just just come through. And come at eight or seven thirty or. Yeah, if you want to come at eight, that should be fine. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. Have a nice weekend. You Bye-bye. too. Oh, thanks for the caller. We do have a call coming in around 1230. And so, yeah. Okay, I jumped I jumped into that very quickly. Oh, yeah, so I guess now's a good time to announce that there will be a new... So Common Thread Collective, which was on Fridays for quite a while, for years and years here, is now moving to the second and fourth Friday from 8 to 10. We're also going to have like another poetry night. We're going to try to do a queer poetry night here the third Saturday of the month from 8 to 10 as well. And we believe we're starting August 17th. So it hasn't started yet, but keep that on your calendars. Uh, 
helpful to have more spaces for folks to share their poetry and, and spoken word materials. Okay, so now it's 1228. I am going to put on some music and we will be getting our call in from our guest caller in just a little bit. Also, wanted to share the names of the songs for folks. The last song we played was by Ted Leo and the Pharmacists, uh, Ballad of the Sin Eater, which is about uh, being an American abroad. And yes. And before that was Death with Politicians. <sighs> Politicians in My Eyes, which is inspired by a lot. And before that, we heard Prince with Planet Earth. So I think I might find some nice uh, instrumental song to put on in the meantime. Oh, goodness. So again, um, I did finish up reading that flyer very quickly. Um, again, uh, check out Close the Camps, and uh, which will be every day in August, uh, weekends included, from noon to 1 p.m. And uh, there's going to be different groups there every day. So please do invite your friends. Also, if you haven't come out before, now would be a, a great time to, to show up if you're able. <sighs> okay. I'm going to take a deep breath. And all right. So let's get into some, I said I was going to play an instrumental song and then I'm looking, I'm like, oh, there's another, some other songs that would be nice. Okay. But here's an instrumental song and we'll be uh, back uh, with our caller. Stay tuned.
Hello, and welcome back to the Weekly Review, joined here by a guest on the line. Thanks for calling in. Hi, yes. Um, just a little introduction of myself. My name is Madi Roby. Um, I live in Sacramento, and I was calling in to talk a little bit about uh, a program that I work at called STEP that's here in Sacramento, which is essentially a um, shelter for LGBT youth experiencing homelessness. Um, so I was just calling in to talk a little bit about it, get a little bit of reach into, you know, the Bay Area, um, because this is a program that is the first of its kind, at least where I live. Um, and I feel like more people need to know about it and hear about it in order to spread the word to people who can actually access our services. Yes, that's great. Thank you so much for calling in. Uh, interested in hearing more about it. Yeah, so I work specifically at a program that's called STEP. Uh, STEP stands for Short-Term Transitional Emergency Program. We're basically a 90-day shelter for LGBT Tay, uh, and Tay is transition-aged youth. We're between the ages of 18 and 24. Um, we're we're a inclusive uh, shelter, which is, again, the first of its kind, at least in Sacramento, um, because typically you will go to like shelters that either don't have any sort of inclusivity for trans folks mm -hmm. or for you know they don't care about you know dead name versus actual name they don't Ugh. care about things like um having a partner versus you know being in a hetero relationship mm -hmm. so we uh position ourselves as being an inclusive shelter we have a clothing closet that includes things like binders and gaps and uh we're really trying to shift the focus of you know what we're doing to help the most amount of like uh youth who don't have access to these services either because they were kicked out by their families after coming out um or for whatever reason really mm -hmm. um and yeah so it's you know this this really cool program that we've been open for about a month now uh we opened on the first of july so we're very you know in the very very beginning stages of being open but as of now we already have a full house mm. um 12 beds that are full so it's you know it's really going quite well i would say great um and it's not a surprise given how many, you know, as you mentioned, like how many queer kids are either kicked out of their homes or don't have a support system in that right. to provide housing. Yeah, exactly. And my job specifically is to help folks exit into, you know, housing after their 90 day stay into permanent housing, mm -hmm. another one of our programs, um, an apartment if that's what they want. And it's like I, I talk to all of these uh, these youth and um, when I talk about their stories their you know what got them here versus where they're trying to go it's mm -hmm. really disheartening to to hear that you know because it's you know primarily trans and queer folks that we help like to hear these stories of like not having you know any family relationship or any family ties not mm. having any resources because they lost all of those resources through being kicked out or through you know whatever other means um got them to this point um but then that's again why it's so important like what we're doing because um we we actually care like about the queer and trans aspect of our residents um 
as well as like, you know, understanding how they got here. Right, right. And I think that's something that I think some folks might not recognize is that how discriminatory uh, many shelters can be uh, for trans folks, especially. Yeah, no, exactly. And that's, uh, that's another thing that I hear a lot from our residents is just that, you know, like regular shelters are either, you know, willfully ignorant um, in, you know, sort of a in a way that's not very threatening, but they still, you know, they don't, they still don't understand uh, mm-hmm. from either this casual misgendering or like not providing the correct resources or the mm-hmm. correct, um, you know, clothes or whatever else is needed. Um, but that can also like, uh, you know, you can, you can be like innocently ignorant uh, and then you can be like rather violently ignorant when yes. it comes in, in the case of like, you know, putting like a trans woman in a in a men's shelter, right. or not allowing you know trans people to enter the shelters like of their uh, actual gender, mm-hmm. um, and so what we do is we don't have some like gender like specific room. We mm-hmm. have like different rooms, but like they're not gender specific. They're mm-hmm. not like okay, you know, men here, women here sort of deal. It's like okay, it's all going to be like co-ed. We're all going to, you know, we have non-binary residents yes. and that's something yes. that we're you know, aware of and, you know, considerate of. So, yeah, it's doing something like very different from, you know, a lot of these places that our residents have come from. Mm. That's so like nice to hear that i mean i just think about how just that idea of the lack of feeling safe in public spaces a lot how that is for for many people and then how it just it it, it interferes with so many different places and environments yeah exactly um and in providing a place that's like a lot more comfortable and more inclusive uh we're also able to actually help folks focus on the things that they might um be needing Mm -hmm. in terms of like transition or Mm. in terms of like support yes like we help people you know fill out the paperwork they need for like name and gender marker changes Mm. we you know help folks who need access to certain clothing like like i said binders and stuff like that we um obviously we want to house them and we want them to feel you know comfortable and safe in the house that that we have but we also want to see them you know take those next steps towards like um you know actually reaching a point where they feel like they're able to like do these things that they've needed to do for however long um and that's that's a really cool part of it too yeah and i think that that's so helpful too because if one doesn't have stable housing it's really hard to work on those other areas of your life let alone finding work but in terms of filling out those forms as you mentioned or changing your name which can be a really emotional process um aside from all the bureaucracy and and the costs of it too it's a difficult thing for folks to do so i really appreciate that you all offer that yeah, and I, it's something that we're hopefully, like, we're just, like I mentioned in the beginning stages, like, we've only been open for a month now, but we're in, like, so many, uh, we've already seen so much growth, and we already see so much potential, mm. 
And when I mentioned that, you know, we are at capacity right now, we are also like transitioning folks out right now as well because they've found stable housing. They've oh, found great. The next... Yeah. <sighs> so it's like it's um, I wanted to sort of put the word out more about this uh, this program that we're running because like this can be a, like an access point for, for many of the people that, you know, we're trying to help for folks who maybe live out in the Bay Area who mm-hmm. might hear about it and then want to come out or get on the wait list or something like that. Definitely. Um, and we've found that, you know, advertising through social media, through through talks like this, like that's actually how we reach our, you know, our clients, our residents. So this is actually like, thank you for giving me the space to talk about it as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's great to have something like this to share. And I know that I'm trying to put my thoughts together. Um, but I mean, Sacramento is also, you know, not terribly far away. Like I know it's not super close to the Bay area, but it's also not, not too far either where I feel like it's a really great option for some folks who, if they're able to get up there. Um, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, would it be possible for like I can just put out my email if that's possible? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, like, if any folks who either want to get involved with the program want to refer someone to the program, like I'm part of the community warm handoff, uh, and I am definitely like available as like a community outreach person as well. Um, so it's. Y'all need to contact me for whatever reason, have more questions. Um, my email is just going to be my, my first and last name. So it's M-A-R-I uh, dot W-R-O-B-I um, at SACCenter.org. And SACCenter is S-A-C-C-E-N-T-E-R. Um, so folks who need to reach out for, you know, like I mentioned, any of those reasons, like I'm definitely available to talk with folks, to refer to our case managers, um, and get more people helped by, you know, what we're doing here at STEP. Wow. Thank you. I was, um, I have a follow-up question. I was curious as to services that are available for, uh, queer and trans folks, um, or everyone across the, the spectrum in, in Sacramento or Yolo County. I was curious about that what's available for folks up there if someone wants to maybe either relocate or if they want to uh, seek other services up there? Yeah. So specifically in Sacramento, we of course have, you know, step, uh, we have a few other housing programs that are also LGBT inclusive. Um, like one that's a two year program, which is called the transitional living program and another that's post homes, uh, which I know a lot of other cities have done where we essentially host someone in like one room of a house. Um, but we also have, uh, we do have a surprising amount of resources, like we're no Bay Area, but we do have, you know, we do have stuff. We have the Sacramento LGBT Community Center, mm-hmm. um, and that's one that offers respite. They offer, you know, free, like, laundry. Um, they have, like, a, a youth spot for people, I think it's, like, 23 and under, um, and then they just have a bunch of groups for, you know, all sorts of folks. Like, we do, like, a uh, pansexual pancake breakfast there. Uh, uh, 
it's very cute. Um, so that that sort of thing. Um, we also have like other sort of like brunches, uh, like a women's like a queer women's coffee night. Um, there's also the Gender Health Center, and the Gender Health Center out here offers a lot of incredible services for trans folks in need. So they also do respite, free needle exchange programs. They help folks do the name and gender marker change for free. Mm -hmm. uh, they have a free hormone clinic um, that I think it's run like once a month or like a couple times a month um, for folks who don't have access to, you know, um, figuring, like, HRT out in, like, a broader scale, uh, you know, because that can be confusing and difficult, too. Um, so they have, like, a clinic here that will, like, walk you through all the steps and, you know, help you make that first uh, leap. Um, we have, we even have uh, in Sacramento, like, uh, the Lavender Library, which mm. is a queer uh, library that's, like, all queer books. Um, we have like historical documents there um, that are very like important to queer history. So, like we have a lot of uh, a lot of resources. We have a big community in terms of like uh, our queer folks. We have a great art scene for like queer folks. We have you know so many different things like uh, like spoken word, um, you know. Spoken, queer spoken word nights, mm. we have, like, co queer comedy nights, so we have, like, those uh, clothing closets, everything under the sun. Um, it's a really cool to be a part of so much, you know, movement and change in, in Sacramento to just, like, just make Sacramento as queer as possible, essentially. Yes. Yay. <laughs> oh, that's um, it's so good to hear. Yes. But yes, thank you so, 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 so much for letting me come on the air with you and talk a little bit about this. Um, like I said, I'm definitely open for folks who, who need the help, who need the referral. If anyone wants to, like, relocate out here, again, that's something that I can, like, you know, help uh, give pointers about or whatever else is needed. Um, but yes. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Yeah, thanks. And I look forward to hearing um, the, the progress of the organization yeah. and seeing how it grows. Yes. Oh, me too. <laughs> cool. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you. Right. Bye. Oh, big thanks to Colin in. Oh, that. Oh, oh, that, yeah, makes me feel a lot better. Um, lots of good things are happening, and it's important to remember that. Oh, thank you, Mari, for calling in. Okay, cool. All right, so getting back, um, I think I'm going to go back into play a little bit of music, and then I'll get together some news. Well, I already have some news stories. I've got some tabs that are open. <sighs> and, uh, yeah, we'll get to some news stories. And so please do. Stay tuned. And I'm going to try to go back to the song I was playing before. So may take me just a moment here. Um, again, you're listening to Mutiny Radio. Uh, we'll do this one instead. And I'll be back in just a bit.
and welcome back to the weekly review just played a track by Tycho called montana before that we heard awake that was before the phone conversation got some disturbing well i guess it's disturbing news i recognize i know there's that idea that harvey milk's like oh you should give people hope and wanting to share you know to inspire people and to say there's hope out there and then oftentimes if i'm going to be honest i feel uh, a lack of hope. I feel fear. And it's also important just to, to speak the truth. And I'd rather speak the truth than, than lie about it. Because I think lying about things is kind of what got us here, isn't it? And denying what's happened. So I'm going to go into a couple of stories around climate change. And one one is like a hopeful story. So I will mention that. First of all, from uh, this is from Democracy Now! Greenland ice melts at rapid pace as temperatures climb 30 degrees above normal. Yikes. This is from August 1st. It's a brief paragraph. In climate news, a massive heat dome that shattered all-time temperature records across much of Europe last week has settled in over Greenland, driving temperatures across the vast Arctic island to as much as 30 degrees Fahrenheit above normal. Holy shit. Ugh. That's the thing is why I wouldn't be able to be on any major news network Well, for a number of reasons, and also I think I would just have to swear and be like, this is... First of all, I don't think I would agree with a lot of things they would told me, tell me to say. And then also when I would read things like this, I would be like, wow, holy shit, this is really fucked up, everybody. I don't think that would get a pass on uh, with corporate media. Okay. Uh, okay. Writing in Rolling Stone in an article headlined, Greenland is melting away before our eyes, meteorologist Eric Holthouse warned Greenland's ice is expected to melt at its fastest rate ever recorded today, when more than 12 billion tons of water will permanently melt away from the ice sheet and find its way down to the ocean, irreversibly raising sea levels globally. Yikes. Oh. Uh, however, folks are doing things to counteract that. I mean, we need to put into capitalism and the military and fossil fuels. Uh, it's part of me feels like it's too late. Uh, and there's also ways to combat it for what we can do. And so I wanted to share a story. Um, and that is in Ethiopia. Um, Ethiopia has planted 350 million trees in one day. And the story is covered in a lot of different publications, and also I'm reading it from allafrica.com, which I want to encourage folks to check out. Because a lot of the 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 media that we get here, it's a lot of it's through like how do we find out about stories, and it's either through word of mouth or through advertising, and it's the folks who have the money who get their stories out, and it's also very I think American centric, and then above that you know Euro centric and white centric, and so also wanting to share other news sources. So this comes from All Africa, and you can find a lot of other information on this site. Uh, Ethiopians planted more than 350 million trees in one day, officials say, in what they believe is a world record. Ethiopia's Minister of Innovation and Technology, Gedehun Makuria, tweeted estimates of the number of trees being planted throughout the day Monday. By early evening, he said 353,633,660 tree seedlings were planted in 12 hours. Wow. The massive effort is part of Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed's Green Legacy Initiative, which aims to plant more than 4 billion trees between May and October, or 40 trees per person. 
The campaign aims to reverse the effects of deforestation and climate change in the drought-prone country. According to the United Nations, Ethiopia's forest coverage was just 4% in the 2000s, down from 35% a century earlier. Besides ordinary Ethiopians, various international organizations and the business community also joined the exercise which aims to surpass India's world planting, excuse me, India's record planting of 66 million trees in 12 hours in 2017. So this article came out on July 30th, so please do check that out. So yes, we need to plant more trees. <sighs> okay. And congrats to the folks in Ethiopia for doing that. And that's something else I've been thinking a lot about, too, where I'm a very sensitive person. If you know me, I'm super sensitive. I'm empathic. And there's pros and cons to that. And I feel a lot. And also sometimes I have difficulty putting those feelings into actions or even put into words. Like I have a lot of ideas about things, but I don't necessarily always share them. Sometimes on the show I do. And maybe it's easier with a microphone. However, in social situations, sometimes for me, it feels a little bit more difficult um, online, I try to like avoid engaging with folks online and I think about how, yes, how more to put our ideas into actions. Cause I think that's something that's really missing and also provide people for alternatives to what we've been told, uh, such as calling the police, which is not a good alternative. There's lots of other ways to handle, uh, problems and conflicts. Uh, one big way is to get to know your neighbors. And I've been looking for, I want to, I know I post these from time to time, but other, other ways, uh, other alternatives, and there can be ways for folks to have circles to hold each other accountable and ways within community for folks to work out issues as opposed to having the state get involved. And we know what that leads to <sighs> moving along. Speaking of the state getting involved, oh, all these stories are depressing. Oh gosh. Okay. But we're going to get to them. And you know what? It's, it, it's it, the more we know, the more we can fight back, right? Yes. Okay. Oh, so this is from CNET, which is, um, I don't, I don't read too often. Uh, however, it's an important story. Uh, and it's about Amazon ring, which I mean, Amazon's fucking not a fan, not a fan of Amazon, not a fan of Jeff Bezos. Uh, billionaires serve no purpose on this earth. And I'll leave it at that. Amazon Ring alerts often tie up police with false alarms. So there's this new thing called Ring, and I'll go into the article. I think we'll go into it a little bit, and it's a pretty disturbing product. And uh, there's a little ad here that I'm going to try to make disappear. Um, this is frustrating. Okay, I'll do my best to avoid it. Police promote Ring partnerships as a way to keep communities safe. Now they're inundated with video of people and innocent activities. Wow, what a shock. <sighs> okay, and this was written by um, Alfred Eng, and it came out on July 31st. And again, you can find this at CNET.com. We've also shared it on our weekly review page, which you can find at Facebook.com forward slash weekly rev. In May, police in Hammond, Indiana, got a suspicious person alert from a concerned resident. She could see a man, she told officers, through her ring smart doorbell, which is like a just you can go online and find smart doorbell and see where it sends you. The resident had already sent police another message along with footage from her internet connected video doorbell about an earlier incident. Now the resident was even more frightened having watched a new incident unfold on her phone through a live feed from her ring app. She sent police the video recorded from the doorbell. Police immediately knew the man wasn't a criminal. <laughs> oh my God. 
It's one of our detectives. He was going there to interview the person for whatever the situation was. <laughs> So maybe she's on to something, uh, said Steve Kellogg, a public information officer for Hammond Police, adding that the cop was wearing plain clothes but had a badge around his neck. The badge was out of the ring camera's line of sight, but the resident would have spotted it immediately had she gone to the door, the officer added. He's clearly on the camera saying he's with the police department, Kellogg said. The incident is among the growing number of false alarms involving ring cameras, which have spread around the country as police departments partner with Amazon's smart doorbell company. Dumb. Excuse me. Uh, False alarm calls are nothing new, but police say the ring doorbells make it easier for citizens to report anything they find suspicious and send video to law enforcement to review. Now, my question is, what if you find law enforcement suspicious? Ring and police have promoted these partnerships on social media, often demonstrating their value by highlighting incidents in which Ring has stopped package thefts. The more people involved in your neighborhood watch, the safer our neighborhoods become, Ring says on its website. So if you get to know your neighbors, you don't need a fucking doorbell. Okay. That spies on people. Okay. Going to continue reading. I didn't think it was this article that was going to get me super livid, but it, it is. Ring connects citizens with each other and local law enforcement to make sure to make a true impact on your community. Ring's limitations, however, aren't prominently featured. Once you start having all of these cameras and start linking them to automatic notifications, the public may get the sense that crime is on the rise when it, it actually isn't. And that's a quote from Dave Moss, who is an investigative researcher um, at the EFF. In towns where police have signed up for Ring, officers told CNET that having the extra sets of eyes in neighborhoods doesn't mean the police are solving more crimes. In some cases, it simply means there's more worry among residents. At the International Association of Chiefs of Police Conference in May, police from Chandler, Arizona, said apps like Ring's neighbors have prompted residents to believe crime is prevalent, even though violent crime is at a historic low is at historic lows in the city. According to notes provided by Dave Moss, a senior investigative researcher at the Electronic Frontier Foundation who attended the conference, uh, as I mentioned, I'll repeat the quote, once you start having all these cameras and start linking them to automatic notifications, the public may get the sense that crime is on the rise when it actually isn't, Moss said. Detective Seth Tyler, a Chandler police information officer, told CNET that the department has received an average of two alerts a day from residents through the Neighbors app since the department partnered with Ring in April. Typically, the footage is of cars driving in neighborhoods, people uh, people walking, or strangers at doorsteps, Tyler said. These aren't crimes, but Chandler police will still investigate those leads, the officer said. Some people are better than others at determining crimes, Tyler said, but from our perspective, I can tell you that we would be more than happy to investigate all of those. (sighs) The department's crime prevention unit has three officers responsible for watching footage from Ring's app and investigating leads. Last December, Ring CEO Jamie Simonoff and Neighbors General Manager Eric Kuhn told CNET that roughly... One in three posts show crimes in crimes or public safety issues. About 65% of posts of on, neighbor, on neighbors are suspicious behavior or solicitors and strangers on people's property. 
Ring is proud of how engaged our users are within their communities, which includes alerting local law enforcement if something seems out of the ordinary, a Ring spokesperson said in a statement. Quit your job. That's what I'm. That's my statement. Reaching out to local law enforcement for help is exactly what. Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna continue reading their statement. Amazon doesn't disclose how many police departments it works with, but a CNET investigation found more than 50 law enforcement agencies had developed relationships with the Ring business over the last two years. Fight for the Future, a tech-focused nonprofit, has created an interactive map to identify where police have partnered with Ring. Motherboard reported that Ring told police it's partnered with 200 law enforcement agencies in the U.S. Yikes. Fuck. Uh... Amazon purchased Ring in 2018 for $839 million, according to SEC filings. At the time, analysts forecast that more than 3.4 million video doorbells would be sold that year. Yikes. Okay. So that's the first part of the article. It goes on a little bit more. Uh, If you'd like to read more, again, the article is at CNET.com. And that goes into... Um, tech, tech companies that do business with law enforcement, such as ICE. So there's a there's a good segue for you. Uh, from Vox, uh, Microsoft, Dell, Concur. Here are the tech companies that. Uh, excuse me. Here are the tech companies doing business with ICE and how much they're getting paid. Tech companies, big and small, are making money off immigration and customs enforcement. This was written by Ronnie Mola. and it was written on July 30th, 2019. And my apologies if I've mispronounced that. Uh, your name. Tech companies, which have long emphasized how their products are making the world a better place, make millions from their work with immigration and customs enforcement, uh, ICE, the government organization that's become infamous for putting children in cages. Americans, including tech workers, have increasingly scrutinized over the, uh, over the past year whether or not these companies are fulfilling or betraying their purported altruistic missions. This has manifested in protests that targeted Amazon's wages and treatment of warehouse workers, sexual discrimination, and abuse of employees at companies, including Google, and the contracts that... Excuse me. Uh, and the contracts that companies like Microsoft have with ICE and other government organizations accused of mistreating immigrants. A Latinx activism organization rights group called Mi Gente, which everyone should go support, check out their page. I believe it's, is it me? Um, let me just type it in here so I can give you the correct page to go to. It's mijente.net, and that's M-I-J-E-N-T-E dot net. Uh, please do support them. They do a lot of wonderful work. Um, okay, a Latinx activism organization rights group called Mi Gente has even started a campaign called Hashtag No Tech for ICE to expose, protest, and stop big tech's outsized role in collaborating with immigration enforcement like ICE. Immigration is a particularly contentious issue in Silicon Valley, which relies on immigration to supply high-skilled tech workers to run its businesses. So, over a year ago, I, and this is the writer, uh, submitted a Freedom of Information Act request to review all of ICE's current technology contracts. This week, uh, this person finally got the data on a CD. Interesting. Many of these contracts, including Microsoft's, have been previously reported, but new information of expanded ICE raids and the abhorrent conditions inside the makeshift facilities where ICE houses migrants of all ages have renewed scrutiny for tech companies of all sizes that contract with ICE and aid its missions. The data set also shows the breadth of the agency's technology dealings, which include about 500 different contracts, current as of June 2018, with nearly 200 companies. 
The contract descriptions vary widely uh, in specificity from software to mission-critical requirement for software that will be used by the financial undercover group to analyze bank accounts during ongoing investigations. The contract amounts also vary from a couple hundred dollars to a couple hundred million dollars. Fuck. But they give a general idea of how important or often a tech company contracts with ICE. They're also subject to change, especially since this data is now a year old. ICE contracts with major tech companies like Dell and Microsoft, but also with numerous companies you may never have heard of, but that are necessary for the operations of a government body with over 20,000 employees and an 8.8 billion degree budget. (sighs) Concur, a work expense software company has a $3.3 million contract to manage ICE's travel, according to the data set. Data center company Equinix has a $128,000 contract for network hosting software. Comcast Business, fuck you Comcast, excuse me. Comcast Business charged ICE about $10,000 for internet services last year. And Virginia-based professional services company Snap Inc., not to be confused with Snapchat maker Snap Inc., which doesn't have a comma in it, has a $1.6 million software licensing contract with ICE. None of these companies responded to requests for comment to specify the nature of their ICE contracts. Amazon isn't listed in the data set in this data set, but it highly but its highly profitable cloud arm Amazon Web Services provides critical support to a number of the other companies on the list, including Palantir, Peter Thiel's controversial data mining company, uh, Peter Thiel's yeah, controversial data mining company. Palantir, in turn, has numerous contracts with ICE and serves as its technological backbone, allowing the agency to scan people's biometrics, look up their family histories, and power its raids. Amazon's relationship with ICE prompted protests earlier this month at the tech giant's cloud summit. Here's a simplified and lightly uh, edited sortable list of all ICE tech contracts with dates as well as a short description of what each contract is for. Remember, this data is current as of June 2008. Yikes, there's a lot of companies here. I'm going to sip some water, then I'm going to read these companies' names. So if by chance you work with them, you know someone who does, if you're familiar, put the pressure on for folks to stop doing work with ICE. That's the sound effects portion of the show, aside from me sighing and groaning. First up, there is Inserso Corporation. They have descriptions as well, but I'm just going to read down the, the company names. And again, if you want to find this or read along, if you go to vox.com, that's vox.com. Uh, Cubase McNeil Integrated Solutions, Knight Point Systems, LIC, or excuse me, LLC, and that's, uh, that's K-N-I-G-H-T. Uh, Enterprise Services, LLC, CSRA, LLC, General Services Administration, Dev Technology Group, Inc., uh, Fossil, Inc., and that's P-H-A-C-I-L, Inc., uh, Strategic Enterprise Solutions, Inc., Savantage Financial Services, Inc., Palantir USG, Cubase McNeil Integrated Solutions, United States Department of Homeland Security, BOO, uh, Dell Federal Systems, LP, Palantir Technologies, Inc., Defense Point Security LLC, Dev Technology Group Inc., 360 IT Integrated Solutions, Four Points Technology LLC, and US Bank Corp. Yikes. So fuck those companies for doing business with ICE. Um, okay. 
I think it's time for another break. I heard the song uh, this morning and I was like, oh yeah, I haven't heard this in a while. And um, yeah, I think folks know it. So just, yep. Uh, no more introduction. I'll be back uh, in a little bit. So please do stay tuned. It is very relevant in America today.
didn't mean to play the edited version there, but that's that's what happens sometimes when you prepare things a little bit last minute. Uh, wanted to get to some campaigns that are active from the incarcerated workers dot uh, org, uh, which is the incarcerated. Excuse me. So if you go to incarceratedworkers.org, uh, there's a lot of information. And forgive me for not setting it up. I'm trying to move this here slightly. There was a few things I wanted to get to here first. So I'm going to give myself a moment to get organized. So campaigns that are happening. And in the past, we've talked about uh, how mass incarceration in this country is fucking ridiculous. And there's millions of people in jail who should not be in jail and in prison and like the conditions and how fucking awful it is. And there's a lot of working groups and folks who are doing what they can. There's, a, there's folks who are going on strike in prisons and there's phone zaps that happen. There's ways you can write to people. There's lots of, there's lots of organizing happening around this. And it's something we don't get to on the show. I recognize it's a two hour show a week. There's a lot of things happening in the world and try to touch back on different issues when I can. Uh, there's a lot going on. So this is a campaign. So if you go to, again, if you go to incarceratedworkers.org, these are some active campaigns that folks can support. So I also want to provide, I know the show, I go over news articles and it's like, oh, wow, the world's falling apart. There's climate change and there's fascism and there's state violence and it it feels really overwhelming and negative. And also at the same time, there have been folks fighting back for generations to make this a more just world. And so I think there's also just lots of ways that people can show up. And I know that we all have different abilities. We have different resources, different energy levels. There's so much different privileges and there's different ways for folks to show up. So I want to also just provide different ways. So no matter who you are and where you live, who you know, there are ways that folks can plug in and uh, work with others to make this world the kind of world that we all deserve to live in. So the campaign, the first ones this is from their, their uh, campaign page here is uh, Lucasville Amnesty. And I'll be reading about this, and I don't know too much about this, too, which is something else I want to mention. I've mentioned on the show last time, and I think in the past, too, where I'm just a person uh, still learning, making mistakes, and hopefully growing and changing and evolving. So a lot of these things are things that I'm learning about, too, as I'm reading them uh, to all you, all you all listeners. So a lot of us are in the, in the same boat here. Uh, Lucasville Amnesty. The Lucasville uh, uprising was a rebellion against oppressive and racist policies at the Southern Ohio Correctional Facility, SOCF, in Lucasville, Ohio. Nine inmates and one guard died during the uprising in April of 1993. Today, many people are serving time or condemned to death by the state of Ohio in relation to the uprising. We demand amnesty for all these inmates. The conditions at SOCF were and still are intolerable and unconscionable. I'm going to click on the link here uh, so you can read more if you go to lucasvilleamnesty.org forward slash p forward slash background dot html uh, you can find more information so again if you go to incarceratedworkers.org they have all this information under their campaigns page and they have active campaigns as well as uh, past campaigns and so I'll be reading uh, again the next couple active campaigns. Another one is Restore Communication Access to Imam Hassan in late July of 2018 Imam Sadiq Abdullah Hassan was cut off from phone and email access and had most of his property confiscated and a cell locked down in a clear move to silence his advocacy for prisoners leading up to the nationwide prison strike. Hassan is an IWOC member who has been held in solitary confinement on death row since 1993 on false charges deriving from the Lucasville uprising. So um, there's also a link provided uh, for that with more information about that. 
And there is a phone zap call-in campaign to support him as well. So you can find more information there. And up next, I know this is a, a lot of information and it's a lot of intense information too. So also wanting to acknowledge that. And I haven't provided a trigger warning uh, for the show in a, in a minute. I've forgotten to do that and recognizing, just wanting to put that out there. That's a lot. All right, Minnesota. And at the very least, I'm just, you know, like I'm sitting here like talking about it. So I also feel like I'm doing very, the, the bare minimum a lot of the time here. So wanting to put it, put it out there in the universe and share information that's not shared elsewhere. Okay, Minnesota, stop incarcerating people for technical violations. On July 18th, the first prison guard in Minnesota's history was killed on top of recent violence in Oak Park Heights and Stillwater prisons. Yet all the DOC does is ask for more money on top of their $1.2 billion budget. We need a new approach to change in Minnesota's prisons. Stop putting money into a violent institution that is not correcting anyone. Free our people and reinvest savings into reentry and rehabilitation. So you can also find more information on that, especially if you are in Minnesota. Okay. Um, oh, oh. Got a few more stories here, and it's 126, so I probably we'll get to, yeah, I'll get to a few more here. Um, next up, um, this is like a more recent story. Uh, just just now that happened this afternoon, uh, D.C. federal judges have thrown out uh, Trump administration policy, making anyone who crosses the border outside an official port of entry ineligible for asylum. So I read that from at Zoe Tillman, and that's at Z-O-E-T-I-L-L-M-A-N. So... Um, Again, there's always so much one can do in the legal system. However, it's a step in the, the right direction. So wanting to share that information. And yes, there's there's a lot going on. Also from the examiner, uh, here in the Mission District, the district supervisor is Hillary Ronan. And she ran into Ted Cruz at an airport. And I think Ted Cruz is someone who really needs a milkshake, if you know what I mean. And uh, so in the examiner, they have a bit of a story. Maybe I'll read a little bit of this and play some of the audio. He was confronted by uh, Ronan and all, as well as a lot of other people as well. So this is written by uh, <clears throat> uh, Joe Fitzgerald Rodriguez, and it came out on July 29th, again, in the SF Examiner. How can you live with yourself? SF official confronts Senator Ted Cruz on detention centers. San Francisco politicians angrily spout off about President Donald Trump and Republicans in general so often you could set your watch by it, but rarely do they do it directly face-to-face. -face. In that regard, Supervisor Hillary Ronan is living the dream. The San Francisco legislator who represents the heavily Latinx uh, neighborhoods like the Mission got right in sex Texas, excuse me, Texas Senator Ted Cruz's I iconic nose Sunday, raking him over the coals for poor conditions at migrant detention centers at the Mexican border. We are horrified with what is happening with the caging of children and the separation of families, Ronan told Cruz. I don't know how you can live with yourself. The San Francisco legislator posted a video on her Facebook page Monday morning. Detention centers in Cruz's home state of Texas have garnered national headlines of late as crowded conditions have surfaced. They've been called urine-soaked and nightmarish places where commonly cured diseases easily spread and migrants beg visiting journalists for help. President Donald Trump has argued that the federal government isn't legally required to provide soap and toothpaste to immigrant children detained after crossing the border who separated from their parents have slept on concrete floors sometimes with little access to basic medical treatment. Ronan and Cruz went back and forth at Los Angeles International Airport as the senator was mere moments away from boarding a plane to Texas. She spotted AFSCME 
3299 members chanting, free the children at Cruz, prompting her to confront the senator. And again, go union. Ronan first introduced herself as an elected representative from San Francisco and relayed her bona fides, ripping one of our... Uh, repping, excuse me, repping one of our largest Latinx communities. Cruz wasn't taking it. Uh, Cruz says the cages were built by President Obama and Ronan stuck to her guns. Kids are dying, kids are dying, and families are being separated. Please do something to stop it. You have the power. I know what it's like to have this responsibility, but families are dying, she told him. And I'll play the audio now.
converted into a game or we couldn't provide for them, we would do everything in our power to save them. I understand. That's what and, these families and so are tell, tell your party to stop blocking closing the or plane taking off. All right. I'm, I'm on the Houston flight. That's Houston, isn't it? That's Houston. Oh, right. You have to start Ugh, that's it's fucking disgusting having to look at Ted Cruz and hear his words and his lies. And I'm going to say it again. Really get that man a milkshake. Finishing up the story. Ugh, ugh, I just, ugh, I, ugh, fucking gross. All right. So at this point, um, off camera, I'm continuing on with the article again. You can find it in the examiner. SF Examiner. At this point, off-camera interactions led the viewers to know they weren't in San Francisco anymore. A man, uh, ew, gross. Um, um, that just kind of goes over what we heard in the conversation. Um, okay, so yeah, that's that's pretty much. Uh, I'll also just, ugh, uh, yeah. So for more information, again, on this, you can uh, uh, go to sfexaminer.com. Ugh, just ugh, 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 gross. All right. It's 1.34 here. Um, we're going to be here for a little bit longer, and then we'll be wrapping up. Uh, if you're interested in donating at all to this particular show, we do have a Patreon up. I'm going to give a big thank you to all the monthly donors who help out with the monthly dues here so we can rent the space at the station and put out the show. So thank you, thank you, thank you. If you are able to donate a dollar a month or more, please do check us out at patreon.com forward slash weekly rev. Super grateful for your for all the folks out there who are able to tip in and help and also for all the listeners out there and all the people out there doing all the great work and I um honored to be able to talk about the the work of folks the words people are sharing uh to make this world better um something that's not good but again it's worth mentioning though so the last article i'm going to get to Ugh, i don't want to end on a, something sad so perhaps i'll read this one and i'll search for something positive this is from out magazine hate crimes against lgbtq plus people are on the highest are the highest in a decade this is written by michael street and it came out on august 1st a new report has seen a steady increase uh, under Trump. Hate crimes have risen in the last year, according to a study released by the Center for the Study of Hate and Extremism at California State University, San Bernardino. The nonpartisan research and policy institution said that in 2018, hate crimes rose 9% in major U.S. cities that they studied. And this change comes while crime overall in major cities has declined. This latest increase is the fifth consecutive increase in hate crimes year over year in the United States. According to the study, the most common victims for hate crimes reported to police in major cities in 2018 were African Americans, Jews, and gays. Uh, and it says, but whites and Jews experienced the biggest percentage increase. Uh, to combat this, and I also am just curious about the language they're using and also that they would just say gay folks and not uh, trans folks, uh, non-binary folks as well. I'm going to continue to read on in the article. This is, again, this is the words of the, the study used to describe folks. The, to combat this, uh, 47 states as well as other U.S. territories like the Virgin Islands, D.C., and Puerto Rico have all have hate crime laws. That said, to those states, less than 36 apply to LGBTQ plus people specifically, and this is important. This year alone, 12 black trans women have been murdered. Of this number, 10 of the women were killed with a gun. 
Preliminary numbers for 2019 show increases with the partial data that is available. That said, according to the report, those increases will likely erode by the end of the year. The report also says that for the first time, a slightly the, a slight majority of hate crime victims now report to the police. In the past, victims may not have reported due to fear of rejection and of being ignored or even out of fear that they themselves may be questioned and in some way accosted by the police, which I know has happened to a lot of folks. While this still continues, there have been some efforts made that have allowed victims to feel more comfortable in reporting crimes to authorities. Hmm. Yikes. So that's again in Out Magazine. Okay. Um, I know I'd said uh, I was going to end on something positive, but not quite yet. I also wanted to just share a post that a friend wrote. Um, It's been shared around. Um, Let's do some quick math, friends. Antifa is not an organization. Nobody belongs to it. There are no membership roles, so you cannot prove you do not belong to it. If you have shown up to a protest, if you have been in a picture showing you are near a protest, if you have, like me, the author, offered first aid at a political demonstration or shown up as clergy support or carried a sign or made a Facebook post or even liked a post saying you're against fascism, you could be accused of being a quote-unquote member of Antifa and you can't prove it's not true. If this measure to declare Antifa domestic terrorists passes, that means you and I can be arrested and prosecuted as domestic terrorists. No, really, you too. We passed a bunch of laws and rulings back in 2002 or so, declaring that accused terrorists can't get due process and can be held indefinitely without trial, tortured, and so on. The Trump administration also just declared that they're opening up the death penalty for federal crimes like terrorism for the first time in years. We have a whole bunch of new for-profit detention camps for holding people in indefinitely without trial, where people are dying right now from nightmarish conditions. ISIS running around right now without badges or uniforms or warrants, disappearing people, including U.S. citizens, and locking them up, and fully half their agents belong to a Facebook group where they shared racist jokes, bragged about the violence they'd done to quote-unquote subhuman animals they're locking up, and talked about how they wanted to assault and rape political figures they don't like. This is a license to lock us up and execute political dissidents and community organizers without due process, and the pieces have all been put in place to use it. We're running out of time to stop this train. (sighs) So, wanting to, to share that with folks. This is kind of where we're at right now, and also looking at history. This is how there's always been fascist elements here. I mean, that's the beginning of this country has started off this way. So wanting to put that put that out there in the universe, and it's not easy to say. It's easier, I get, to pretend it's not happening, to ignore it. Um, so the only way to is to show up, is to combat it, is to have conversations with people, to, to show up in any way possible. And there's there's lots of different ways for folks to do that. And I wanted to to also read something. Excuse me, if I can. I'm going to go down and see if I can find it. It might take me a moment, so please do bear with me. I will try to use my time wisely. It's taking a taking a while to get here. It's ignoring it isn't going to happen. We know we have all this information. So again, it's what we do to take action. 
Oh, goodness. And I'm scrolling down and I'm seeing a lot of other other things. Here's a quote that can be kind of inspirational, I guess, but just also shares how things are. It's a quote from Eugene, Eugene Debs uh, from Walls and Bars. Capitalism must have prisons to protect itself from the criminals it has created. And going to move down a little bit further and see if I can find what I wanted to read. Something a little bit more positive. SF to shut down 82 oil wells on Kern County property. That was an article that was in the Examiner um, back around July 22nd. So I wanted to share that. That's something positive. There's also a compilation of No Thanks DHS Checkpoint Refusals compilation, which is inspirational. So for folks to say no, it's all within people's rights to say no to DHS. We shared that on the page on July 22nd. You can find that on YouTube. Again, No Thanks DHS Checkpoint Refusals compilation. I'll also reshare Month of Momentum, 30 Days of Action to Close the Camps, at um, which is ICE San Francisco. You can find that as well. And workers.org has more information as well on other upcoming events and places folks can show up. <sighs> Taking a bit of moment here. There's an article from humansarefree.com. CIA has interfered with over 81 foreign elections in the past century. Lots of information there. Also, we shared alternatives to using Amazon and Prime, which you can find at threshold.us. It was also published around July 19th. Folks are still protesting in Hawaii at Mauna Kea against the, the idea to put a telescope there. So folks are have been protesting. That's still happening. Also read that folks in Hong Kong have been using lasers, like protesters have been using lasers to prevent police from identifying folks uh, with surveillance. <sighs> and and also just share this one thing. This is what I was looking for. I was shared by someone named Rick Lass. Uh, it says, "Do you all know that Japanese internment? Do you know how Japanese internment ended?" Riots. There was a huge riot in 1942 where police killed a guy and a riot in 1943 after another internment death. That same year, the case went to the Supreme Court and they eventually pulled the plug. You know how slavery ended? Riots, uprisings, rebellion, war. You know how the Holocaust ended? Riots, uprising, rebellion, war. You know what didn't stop any of these atrocities? Voting. Do you know what it will take to stop mass incarceration and child detention centers? Uh, don't kill the messenger. So wanting to share that as well. <sighs> Putting that out there, just going by what has worked in history. And on that note, I think I'm ready to head out. So thanks so much for listening. Thanks to all the folks out there for doing all the work. And we'll be back next week. And going to finish up with a song that I heard on the way over here. Uh, by Funkadelic called Cosmic Slop. So have a great week, everyone, and we'll be back next week. Take care.
favorite thing on Facebook is the uh, hater poster. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk, Mutiny Radio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shitface McRat. <laughs> my friends out at Mutiny Radio. Jester Cashcock here, giving you my love and regards as well as Moofy's over there. And you know, anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Bamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10. They have a fun time at Pamtastics Deep in the Mission, where you can laugh off your tushy every Friday for a mere $10. And $10, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with, so to wipe it off for <laughs> is in duty this. And if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, don't worry, don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen Summer Cottage on the Mountain Ridge for the kayaks. <laughs> Just go to podcast.pcrcollective.org or mutinyradio.fm podcasts and look for Comedy Clubhouse with a K. You can download it for free. But we'd love to see you every Friday, 8 to 10, down here at Mutiny Radio. You laugh off your tushy and save your life. Because you know what's better than laughter? Well, it's a cash cock, baby. Station at the same time. 
Hey, Mutineers Stolowitz here. Have you ever listened to Labor and Love on Saturday mornings, 10 to noon, with Bill Morgan? It's a really excellent show, one of my favorites here at the station. And it's all about service. It might be the devil, it might be the Lord, but we got to serve somebody. And Bill understands the virtue of service as the heart and soul of the labor movement better than a lot of people I know. And it's one of the reasons I love to listen to him. He breaks down socialism, democracy, protest history, workers' news, and the power of unions. Along with that, he serves up an excellent mix of jazz, Latin, gospel, hip-hop, and traditional folk ballads. Great stuff. Check it out. Labor and Love is every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Serve somebody. Subliminal SF visual and auditory mind control brings you the best, coolest t-shirt and hoodie designs and mind-bending local bands and shows at venues all over San Francisco and the Bay Area. Subliminal SF is here to destroy your sense of normalcy and plant ideas in your skull to make you cooler and a more awesome person. Check out all the badass products at subliminalsf.myshopify.com. That's subliminalsf.myshopify.com. And experience Subliminal SF. If you're looking for some delicious late-night food, I suggest you mosey on down to Bender's Bar. Inside, you can find Counter Offer, offering you amazing late-night food and snacks. Try the chicken biscuit. It's like your stomach's in a tasty tornado. They have exceptionally great daily ground sustainable burgers with sides of tater tots, grilled asparagus, and delicious zucchini. And creamy-licious mac and cheese. You like tacos? They get them. And from the specials, very deep fried fish sandwich to a stoner burger with a donut bun. What are those crazy potheads going to come up with next? Go to the counter offer inside of Blender's Bar at 800 South Van Ness Avenue, San Francisco. It's located between 19th Street and 20th Street in the Mission District. Open seven nights a week from 5 to 10 p.m. or later. Counter offer, son! Welcome, Bender's Bar and Grill, located at 806 South Van Ness in the Mission District of San Francisco. Your favorite bar with awesome bartenders, rotating local art, and a killer back patio. It's a great place to hang out and play one of their two pool tables or old school pinball machine with a tasty adult beverage. Live music every Saturday for only $5, Bender's brings you face-melting metal and rock and roll. The last Friday of the month, Punk Rock and Schlock delivers super fun karaoke with Aileen. Come on, what's not to like? They even have counter offer inside, frying up the tots with sexy hot burgers for your face. Open every day at 2 p.m. Their happy hour goes till 7 p.m. Bender's is proud to be a sponsor of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival because they're an awesome community asset to the dirtbags who keep art alive in the mission. Bender's Bar and Grill.
This is Tusha Matters with Mutiny Radio. Big up to the number one station, the ruling nation. Give it to me every time. Ah! Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be like in front of an audience, like other than like squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Well, shoot. From time to time, I've given it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! And welcoming open mic, where comedians can get substantial mic time for the mere price of a spot of tea and crumpets. Comedians who remain after their initial sets are invited to perform feats of improvisation and ingenuity in the famous lightning round games, which are guaranteed to delight and entertain. Ah, thinking of these bright young comedians with so much potential and so many drug problems makes me as giddy as a schoolgirl. I haven't had so much fun and giggles since my non-trinary youth at Bumble's Warning School in East Brackenshire, where I danced with Hugh Grant, helped Jason Statham steal an antique shotgun, and took nude photos of Prince Harry, who I must mention was not named appropriately.